Welcome to this week's sermon from Heights Worship Center. We believe God has something for you today. We hope this message encourages and inspires you. All right, let's get into it. So we've been talking about truth all month long. And we talked about what is truth. And remember what Jesus said. You're going to read it loud. John 14, 6. I want you to read it with me. Jesus said, I am the way. And the way that we're breaking it down is that Jesus is the way to truth that leads to life. So if we want the life that God created us to have, that Jesus died to give us, then we must know the truth as Jesus states the truth and understand that only Jesus is the way. Only Jesus. Science is not always truth, especially now these days. Right? Knowledge, reason, it will all fail us, but only what Jesus says in the word of God is truth. And then we talked about how Jesus came full of grace and truth in John 1.14. So Jesus comes not just to declare truth, but he comes in the fullness of grace because we all need his grace. It's the truth that there's a problem. That problem is sin. And Jesus provided the solution his death and resurrection. And he comes full of grace. That means you and I don't get what we deserve. Punishment for our sins. Separation from God. Wrath, right? But instead, because of Jesus, now instead of standing before God dirty, it says he washes us whiter than the snow. That's grace. And not only grace for forgiveness, but grace to live for Christ. Grace is also the supernatural power that the Holy Spirit gives you to do what we're asked to do in following Jesus. So Jesus comes full of grace and truth. And I would like to take an opportunity to say that in this Pride Month, it's so important that you and I understand that when we stand for truth, we must also speak of grace. It's not enough just to stand for truth. We must also have our words seasoned with love, respect, kindness, and grace. Because I didn't read it that Sunday, but I'm just going to give you a little bit. In Romans 1, when it talks about how they traded the truth of God for a lie, and they worshiped created things instead of the creator, and it lists all of the sins that that then births, it says, and who are you, talking to Christians, who are you to judge them? You do the same things. In other words, we are guilty of sin ourselves. And then it says in verse 4, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, for it is the kindness of God that leads to repentance. I think sometimes we forget that as Christians. We feel the urge, we feel a righteous anger to stand for truth. But as we stand for truth, we must emulate Jesus who came full of truth and full of grace. So you and I must be both people who stand for truth and are also full of grace. And then last week we talked about how our identity is found in who God says we are. And I gave you this list from Ephesians chapter 1. I want you to read it out loud. It says you are chosen, loved. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that good news? 
Jesus chose you not because you earned anything, but because it gave him great pleasure. He likes you a lot. Tell your neighbor, he likes you a lot. And so do I. <laughs> so today I want to talk, I want to conclude this series on truth. And I want to talk to you today about truth and freedom. Truth and freedom. And so we're going to start in the book of John, chapter 8, verse 31 through 36. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. We all know that, right? You'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. But Jesus said, you show you're my disciples when you obey my teachings. So it's not just enough to know truth. We must live truth. And when I am faithful to what Jesus taught, that means that I am doing my best to obey him. Not perfect. None of us will ever do it perfectly. We will struggle every day. But if my heart is positioned to remain faithful to Jesus, to be faithful to his teachings, to continue to learn little by little what it is to follow Jesus, to imitate Jesus, then guess what? The more I do so, the more freedom I walk in. Truth leads to freedom. And so the battle over truth in our culture they say, live your truth and be free. Find your truth and then you'll really be free to be who you are. But the enemy takes a principle of what Jesus said. You'll know the truth and it'll set you free. And he tries to redefine truth to present a different kind of freedom. But in reality, that freedom leads to bondage, captivity, and all kinds of other things. The people said, but we're descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. We could say, but we live in America. We've never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean? You will be set free. In other words, I am free. What do you mean I need freedom? I am, I'm American. Born in the U.S., right? Like we're getting close to the 4th of July. We sing these songs. We talk about freedom, right? I am, what do you mean? I'm free. And Jesus is like, you're not really free. You have an illusion that you're free because you don't answer to a person, a king, a subject, a ruler, but in reality, you're not free. He says this, I tell you the truth. Everyone who sins, read it, is a slave of sin. Ooh. Everyone who, he says, you're not really free. You live in a free country. You think you're free. But in reality, if you sin, you are a slave. You're not free. You're a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family. But a son is part of the family forever. So, read it. If the son sets you free, you are truly free. That's why last week we talked about identity first. My identity is not in how I feel, what my desires are, my urges, my inclinations, my temptations. My identity is not defined by my job or occupation, not my achievements or success, how many kids I have, if I'm married or not. My identity is in who God says I am, made in his image, a child of God. 
And so when you're part of the family, you now have freedom. And if Jesus sets you free, you are truly free. You are truly free. So here's the truth, number one, about freedom. You are either a slave to sin or you are free in Christ. If you do not have faith in Christ and choose to follow Christ, then you are a slave to sin. What do I mean by that? That means you are a slave to our sinful nature. We've all got one. You ever watch a toddler? <laughs> Before they can even say a word or put together some sentences, we can see sin at work. We can see that natural instinct that's in all of us. Sin is a reality since Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. You and I are all born into sin. You and, all, you and I all are sinners. And if you do not know Christ, you are ruled by your sinful nature. If you know Christ, now you are free from the rule of your sinful nature. And now you are free to serve Christ. It's one or the other. I either serve my sinful nature, do what I want, what I think, what I feel, what I see, my happiness, me, 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 me. Or in Christ, it's no longer about me, and now it's about Christ. It's about what he says is right. It's about what he says about life. It's about what he thinks, what he says. You are all, you and me, born into sin, but Jesus died to set us free. Real freedom is not in living your truth. Real freedom is not even in the pursuit of your happiness. Real freedom is in Christ. Because let me tell you something, living in Christ doesn't always equate to momentary happiness. <laughs> Sometimes living for Christ means I sacrifice my happiness to honor God. But the world says you must pursue your happiness if you really want to be free. But we know that if I pursue what I think makes me happy, then it actually lead to more problems, challenges, misery. The key is to remain faithful to the teachings of Christ. So how do you and I discover freedom? Live faithful to the teachings of Christ. And I love this because that means, number one, I got to know what it means. I got to know what that is. That's why you need to read the Bible. That's why you need to do small groups. That's why you need to develop a habit of reading God's word so that you learn what he says, what he thinks. His ways are not our ways. So in order for me to know the teaching, to be faithful to it, I got to read it. And it's not just enough to read it. You have to do it. Tell your neighbor, you got to do it. You got to do it. And remember, we talked about how we are, we're changed, transformed. Why? By renewing our mind. In other words, I got to change the way I think. I can no longer think the way I am programmed to think by my experience, my education, my sinful nature, my inclinations and temptations and urges. I can no longer afford to think about things the way society frames them. I must learn how Jesus frames them. That's the key. What does God say? Jesus defines truth. And only Jesus shows us the way to that truth. 
Therefore, I must learn the way of Jesus and walk in it. You and I must learn the way of Jesus. And the more I do, the more freedom I experience. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Well, in the original language, that was in a progressive tense. The more truth I know, the more freedom I have. And isn't that exactly what following Jesus is? We don't know all the answers when we get saved. And a lot of our life still looks a mess. Because Jesus doesn't say, clean up your mess and follow me. He says, in your mess, follow me. There, the only requirement is faith. And even the Holy Spirit helps us have faith. So if the only requirement is faith, I don't have to clean up my mess, get out of my sin. I come to Jesus in my sin, with my mess. And then I learn little by little truth. And the more truth I know, the more freedom I have. And the more I live with Christ, walk with Christ, the more freedom I have. So don't get discouraged if you're still struggling in certain areas. If some of your life is still not as free as you want, do you know what the answer is? Know Christ. You'll know truth and the truth will set you free. The more truth I know, the more truth will set me free. I need to see sin as God defines sin, not society. I need to say this is acceptable according to the word of God, but not that, no matter what anybody else says. And I surrender my urges, inclinations, feelings, pursuit of happiness, everything, so that I can come and do what is right before God. See, here's how the world defines freedom. The world says freedom is just do what you want. I can do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, however I want, and you can't say nothing about it. We call that free will. The world defines freedom today as live your truth, your truth. What makes you happy? What you want to do? I can love who I want. I can do what I want with whom I want. This is my freedom. I can live by how I feel and pursue my happiness. But this, the thing you got to understand about the way the world defines freedom is it's a very self-indulgent, self-centered. When I live my freedom based on me, then that impacts not only my life, but the people in my life. How many of you know your choices don't just impact you? They impact your family. They impact your friends. They impact your relationships. You're not free to do what you want because it will impact other people. But the world is saying, who cares how it impacts other people? Just live your truth. Be free. Be you. Don't let anybody tell you what that looks like. You find it. But that kind of freedom is all about me. What I want. How I feel. What I think. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. See, sin, the power of sin causes us to be ruled by our desire for pleasure and pride. Sin will cause you to be ruled by your desire for pleasure and your pride. What I want, how I feel, what makes me happy. That is what sin does. So I either choose to do that, to live according to my sinful nature and my desires, or I choose to realize Jesus set me free from that and I no longer have to live according to my desires, my feelings, my happiness. He offers me a better way. And because his way leads to truth that leads to life, then I need to find his way and I need to learn his truth so that I can actually have real life. See, the power of sin says this, eh, you know what's best for you. 
Who cares what anybody else says? You do you. Find you. Be you. But Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. So again, you are either a slave to sin or you have freedom in Christ. You either choose to live for yourself, do your own thing, go your own way, think you're free. But in reality, you are in bondage to sin. You're in bondage to your emotions that change from day to day. That's why some people say, well, I identify as this one day. And then a month later as something else. And a month later as something else. Because they don't understand that we are, we are all fickle people. How many of you guys know you could be having a great day. Then the phone call rings and all of a sudden things change. That's human nature. So I can either live for myself thinking I'm free, but in reality, I'm bound to my sinful nature. Or I can choose to believe in Jesus, to follow his way and actually live free from the power of sin. And then I will experience real freedom and real life. Can I tell you, church, that I have understood that I am more free to be me the closer I get to Christ. I have discovered who God created Dawn to be in a progressive matter. I don't have it all figured out. But he's been showing me more and more. This is who I say you are. This is how I created you. This is why I did this. Why? So that the world doesn't define me. My trauma doesn't define me. My past doesn't define me. Christ defines me. And the more of Christ I know, the more of his truth that he tells me who I am, the more free I actually am to be me. Do you know how free that is? Because... It's not like I go around and I don't care. But there's something in me that's like, I don't care. You know, they, my grandma would say, ah, when you get old, you just say what you want because you don't care anymore what people think. <laughs> Sylvia's like, yep. <laughs> but you know, in Christ, you could get to a place where your insecurities no longer determine your choices. But your insecurities are made secure in his love and his grace and then you can actually be who he called you to be. If we're honest, a lot of times we're afraid to step out and do what we feel God's called us to do, whether at work or in ministry, because we're afraid. We're afraid of failing. We're afraid of what people think. We look at our insecurities. Yeah, God, me? Why me? Like, here's all the reasons why I'm not the one. We saw it in Moses. We saw it in Gideon. But the more I get to know Christ and what he says about me, the more I learn about his truth, the more freedom I have to be who he made me to be. And I don't have to feel like I have to conform or fit or fit into a mold. See, society wants to tell us you got to talk like this, act like this, think like this. And if you don't, you're mean, you're a hater, you're, you're prejudiced, you're this, you're that. You're, they're trying to shame you, box you, and isolate you. But in Christ, if I know who I am, I don't have to get mean and ugly about it. I just have a quiet confidence that I know who I am in Christ. And I don't have to stand up for truth to defend God. He doesn't need me to. But I can come full of grace and truth. Romans chapter 6. This is good. I hope you guys are getting it. It's good. Tell your neighbor it's good. It's better than your acting. All right. Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Amen. This leads us to truth number two. You are free from sin. 
Jesus has set you free from the power of sin. You know what that means? Well, I can't help it. Yes, in Christ, with his help and the Holy Spirit and the truth of his word, you can't help it. Well, this is how I've always been. Well, in Christ, you can learn a new way. If you submit your pride... I don't like this now. Let's go. What time is it? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> See, in Christ, I'm no longer a slave to my temptations. You are not your temptations, by the way. Just because you're tempted to do something doesn't mean that's who you are. Just because you're tempted to do something, your temptations do not define you. Jesus was tempted in every way you and I were, but without sin. Okay, so your temptations are not your identity. Our urges, our desires, that's not who we are. In Christ, I am no longer bound to my feelings, my urges, my temptations, my inclinations, my way of thinking. Now in Christ, I have free freedom to do something different. So I'm not bound to porn. I'm not bound to alcohol. I'm not bound to different things. In Christ, I can learn how to walk in freedom. Little by little, in freedom. Little by little. In freedom. And when you struggle with something and you keep messing up, you remind yourself, sin, you have no power over me. Every time you mess up, instead of running away in shame and being like, oh, Jesus, I messed up again. I'm going to run from God. Instead of doing that, say, Jesus, I messed up again. I'm coming to you. I know you've set me free from sin. Help me get free of this. And the more we run to Christ, the more we come and see sin the way he sees sin. When I learn his way of living, his way of operating, then I'm going to experience victory, victory, victory more and more. Tell your neighbor, sin has no power over you. So we're going to read a little later in chapter 6, verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. What does this say? You and I all have sinful desires. I'm saying that because sometimes in the church we act like we don't. Oh, bless God. It's saying don't give in to your sinful desires, meaning you and I all have sinful desires. Yeah. But we don't have to give in to it. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin no longer is your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under, read it, the freedom of God's grace. Yes. That deserves a shout out. Because if we're honest, a lot of times we do feel chained by our sin. But here it says, in the grace of God, I have freedom. I don't have to be controlled by sin. There's a way out. His name is Christ. And the power of the Holy Spirit can teach me a different way. And it goes on to say, well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Well, God forgives me, so what's the big deal? I could do what I want to do. 
See, this is where sometimes in Christianity, we, we, we take advantage of the grace of God. Well, I know he'll forgive me, so I'll just, I'll do it and ask for forgiveness later. In fact, even sometimes in our culture, we have a saying, do it and ask for forgiveness later. At work, in the corporate setting, I've heard it said in ministry. Like, but that's not how we should be with Jesus Christ. Because of his grace, I want to live different. Amen. Not because I'm trying to earn his grace, I already got it. Not because I'm trying to earn his love, I already have it. Not because I'm trying to earn salvation, it's already mine. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, because of his grace, I want to do different. I want to live different. So here's what you and I need to know. Don't give in to sin because you are free in Christ. You can have the temptation and it's okay if you struggle with it, but you don't have to live with it for the rest of your life. I'm going to say it again. You can struggle with it. You can mess up, but you don't have to live like that for the rest of your life. There is freedom in Christ Jesus. Live your new life. And this tells us how to do it. It says, give your whole body to Christ. And I'll tell you, that's so important because a lot of us say, God, you can be in charge of this part of my life and this part of my life, but this one, eh, I don't think so. See, that's why the number gay Christian is a problem. You can be a Christian who has same-sex feelings. But you cannot be a gay Christian because you're putting your sexuality in front of your Christianity. You can be a Christian who struggles, has those temptations, has those inclinations, has those struggles, but you can't put it in front of Christ. What does that mean? I want what Christ has, but Christ, you can't have this area of my life. Maybe for you, it's not about sexuality, but it's your finances. God, I want what you have for me. I want the blessings, but I'm not ready to tithe yet because I don't trust you enough. So sexuality, some of you guys are like, eh, no problem, money. <laughs> Give your whole body as an instrument. Give yourself completely over to God. See, that's the challenge is that you and I every day have to choose to give God everything. And not to hold back certain areas of our lives. One of the things I notice is that young people will pray about what college to go to or what area to major in or what career to pursue. But when it comes to dating, they just do what they want. Maybe you did that. It's the same concept where we have to learn that God has a good way for every part of our lives. And we have to come and know his way and walk in it. Verse 16. Don't you realize, this is good, come on, look at this. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? If you choose to obey your urges, you're a slave to your urges. Have you noticed that that's how sin works? Sin is never satisfied. Ah, just this once. Just this once becomes, oh, just one more time. And then you're doing it all the time. Can I get a witness? See, some of you are brave enough to be honest. It's just one time. One time becomes two times. Becomes a whole lot of times. See, that's the danger when we say, ah, just one. Whatever I choose to obey, that becomes my master. So if I obey my urge, then I'm slave to my urge. 
If, if I obey my reasoning on what I think is good, then I'm a slave to that. Or if I choose to obey God, now we're not really, we're, the slave is the analogy, but that means I'm part of his family. I'm serving him. I'm free from sin. It goes on to say, you can be a slave to sin, which leads to what? Death. Death. So where does, where does, where does a slave, where does being a slave to sin lead to? Death. death. And I'm not talking about physical death. I'm talking about your soul. Do you know how many people sleep around and they're not satisfied and they're miserable and they deal with betrayal and rejection and issues, but they're constantly looking for that feel that they got the first time and then they're never really free, but they're bound to chasing the feel. And the whole time they're lonely. They're hurting. They live with the spirit of rejection. Do you know that research has shown that the people who are most sexually fulfilled are those who live in a monogamous marital relationship? Husband and wife? They've actually done a whole research. All the people who are young and out there sleeping around and doing this or that, their level of fulfillment sexually is low. Now that shouldn't surprise us because God's ways are the best ways. So when I read that, I was like, well, duh, that's how God designed it. If God designed sex between marriage, in marriage with one man and one woman, then yes, that would bring the most sexual fulfillment. But the world doesn't say that. Mm, ball and chain. You become a slave of whatever you choose to obey. You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death. Or, everybody say, or. or. You can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. For once you were slaves of sin. Everybody say, but now. But now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. And you have become slaves to righteous living. You are free in Christ from the power of sin. That is your truth. Your truth is I am loved, chosen, accepted, wanted, delighted in, part of the family. My truth is not my feelings, my inclinations, or my temptations. Those lead to death and misery and problems and loneliness and rejection. But when I walk in the truth of Jesus Christ, then I have love, joy, peace. Come on. Hope, healing, wholeness, freedom, life. The point is this, you either serve sin or you serve Christ. Real freedom is found in, his, in Christ living in his truth and in his way. You got to learn his truth. You got to follow his way. Let's keep going. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12 through 13. Again, what does the world say? You say, I'm allowed to do anything. I can do what I want. I'm free. I'm allowed to do anything, read this, but not everything is good for you. And even though, quote, I'm allowed to do anything, I must not become a slave to anything. See, here's the reality. Yes, as a human, you have free will. You can do what you want, but it doesn't mean it's good for you. I like to put it like this, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Now, I can eat ice cream and cookies every day of my life. That sounds so good, Pastor. 
Right, bro? And then maybe in a week or two, it ain't going to feel so good. It's going to feel good today, maybe tomorrow. But eventually, I ain't going to be feeling any good. So it's interesting as humans, we know what is good, but we don't often do it. Exercise. <clears throat> we know we should be saving our money, but we spend it. <laughs> well, there's things we know we should do, and yet we struggle to do it. And it's the same in our walk with God. That's why we bring it into submission. We surrender it to God, and we say, help us. Because just because I can doesn't mean it's good for me. And that means that the way that Jesus spells that is the right way to live is because it is the best way to live, not the easiest. <laughs> None of this rose-colored glasses. Oh, follow Jesus, everything is good. That's not true. Sometimes following Jesus is hard. Preached on, I know. Some, some days are hard, but it is the better way. God's way is the better way. So just because I can do what I want, I can do what I want, I can do anything. Doesn't mean it's good for me. Because whatever I do, I become a slave to. Next verse. You say, well, food was made for the stomach. And stomach for food. This is true, though someday God will do away with both of them. But you can't say that our bodies were made for sexual immorality. They were made for the Lord. And the Lord cares about our bodies. See, God created us as sexual beings, and he prescribed the best way to live. One man, one woman in covenant relationship called marriage, till death do you part. Husbands leading like Christ, wives in surrender like the church, a mutual love and move, working together and reverence. This is scriptural. Maybe your marriage doesn't look like that, but this is ideal. This is what Christ says. And if we learn to live like that and we choose to live according to his way, then we will discover it really is the best way. But many times it's hard because we don't want to live that way. Husbands don't want to live in love like Christ. Wives don't want to submit and help their husbands. You know, or I just don't want to get married. You know that there are less people getting married today than ever in American history. And if they do get married, they get married way later in life. And so the percentage of kids who are born, they're born out of wedlock. This is not to shame anybody, but it's just to talk about the truth that God created the best way for kids to have a mom and a dad in covenant, working together, bringing up godly offspring. But sin, sin has a way of ruining. And he says, your body, your body was made for sexual integrity. Your body was given to you as a gift to enjoy the sex gift of God in marriage. It wasn't meant for anything else. Your body was designed by God. And what does it say? The Lord cares about your body. Come on, I want you to say that. God cares about my body. And because he cares about your body, then, the, then what he prescribes for your body, you have to believe it's the best thing for you. See, Christian freedom is not the ability to do whatever I want. It's to do what is right. I'm going to say that again. Christian freedom, real freedom, is not the power to do what I want, but to do what is right. I am free to do what is right before God. In the Christian sexuality series, it said this, when humans pursue sexual freedom, somebody always gets hurt. The world's sexual freedom says, I can love who I want, 
do what I want with whom I want, however many I want. It's, I'm free. But God's gift says within these parameters. See, God gives boundaries and guidelines and parameters not to remove our fun, but to guarantee that we have the ability, the chance to have what is best. What if you looked at it that way instead? What if you looked at the things that God puts in his word and you realize, hey, you know what? If I did give of my tithe to the Lord and I obeyed him in that, then I have the ability to actually enjoy his provision in an increased way. Amen. If I choose to live God's way, then I can experience what God has for me. But if I choose not to, then I limit what I can have and enjoy of what God has for me. Does that make sense? So we got to understand that, that when God says, this is my way, learn my way, learn from me, it's because he cares about you. He cares about your heart. He cares about your soul. He cares about your mental health. He cares about your body. He's not trying to be a dictator. He's a loving father who's trying to teach you how to live the best life he died to give you. See, our best life is found in the word of God. Live your best life. Read the word. Live the word. Let's keep reading. In verse 18, it says, So run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. That's interesting, right? All other sin is different. Why? Because sex is not just a physical act. Sex is body, soul, and spirit. The Bible says the two become one flesh. So physiologically, in intercourse, there is a release of hormones that cause an attachment, a bonding to take place between the two individuals. I love that because the Bible says the two become one. Then science is like, oh, so this is an interesting fact. These hormones are released during intercourse, and it causes an attachment and a bonding. And I'm like, oh, see, that's what the Bible told us. So it's not just a physical act. It involves your soul. You become bonded, attached to that person. And however other many people. There is an attachment. You're no longer just yourself. You are now one. The two become one. And so sexual sin affects not just my body, but every aspect of who I am. My mind. You know those images you can't get out? You know those things you just can't unhear? You know those activities that you're now ashamed of and now you don't know what to do with those memories? Can I tell you that in Christ he can cleanse your memories? In Christ he can do a reboot on your mental screen and your computer and he can delete images? Do you know that the Holy Spirit has the power to heal memories from trauma and sexual abuse? The Holy Spirit has the ability to set us free from the effects of other people's sins against us. We're not a slave to other people's sin against us. The words they speak, the abuse that we endure, Jesus Christ died to heal us all from it. But that's why the Bible says run from sexual sin, don't even entertain it. Be like Joseph. Potiphar's wife was begging him to sleep with her. And he was like, I'm out of here. And he ran, but she grabbed a hold of him and all he left behind was his coat. I don't know what else he had on. But the dude ran. That's the same kind of attitude that we need to have. Jesus said, if you look at a woman with, adult, with lust, or you look at a man with lust, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Why is Jesus saying that? Not to shame us, but to show us how important it is that our thoughts matter. 
I can't wait to change my actions. I need to start by changing my thoughts. I need to see sin the way God sees. You know, when I've struggled with things, like I had a, a lust problem as a young adult. And I'll tell you, the Holy Spirit said, okay, Don, you got to stop watching this and stop this and stop this. And I want you to be put in some parameters in my life. And I tell you, I live in Arizona. It's hot there. You guys don't know hot in California. And I was driving to school and I had made a covenant. I was like, Lord, okay, I want to get free from this. I want to be free from this. And I tell you, there was just a line of men with no shirts on jogging. And I was like, ah! And then it's in my rear view mirror. And I'm like, what is the deal, God? Why? It's like the enemy just knew. This side, there was a biker with no shirt on. This side, there's a jogger. And they good looking too. And just for fun, Hispanic, white, black. It's like, hey, I have your choice. Well, hello was right. I'm like, Lord, I got to keep my eyes open. I'm driving a vehicle here. I need some help. <laughs> See, but the challenge is a lot of times we want freedom, but we're not willing to do what the Holy Spirit tells us to do to be free. So I stopped watching Friends. Some of you know that show. I stopped watching certain things. I don't care. You can mock me all you want, but I'm very, very careful about my purity, my mind, because I'm visual. So there are things I don't watch. I won't tell you what to watch, but tell the, ask the Holy Spirit what you should watch. Amen. The Holy Spirit says, Don, don't watch it. Do you know one time I was like, eh, God, it's not a big deal. And then something happened. I was like, I'm sorry, I should have turned it off. And now when I try to sleep, it's there. And then the next day, it's there. All because I disobeyed the urge of the Holy Spirit. And I won't tell you what I saw because it was, it was horrible. It was vulgar. And I was like, God, I'm so sorry. I need to listen to you. No matter what I think, you know what's coming. I don't know what's coming. But if you want freedom, do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. Amen. If he says, stop listening to this music, but all the other Christians I know listen to it, who cares? See, God knows your weaknesses. God knows your generational sins and struggles and strongholds. God knows your inclinations. He knows your struggles. So don't judge someone because they're not weak in the same area you are or you're strong and they're weak in that area. Stop looking at everybody else. Ask the Holy Spirit, what do I need to be free? What do you want me to do? And then here's here. Get ready. Get ready. Ready? Do it. Do it. No matter how much you like that show, how much you want to follow that influencer, no matter how much you want to stream that one, no matter what you want to read, if he tells you to turn it off, turn it off. Sexual integrity is not just for single people like me, it's for all y'all. Flee from sin. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You have the Holy Spirit. You don't belong to yourself. Hey, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. You don't belong to yourself. God bought you with what? A high price. His son. So read it out loud. So you must honor God with your body. Because Jesus died on the cross. We must honor God with our body. That's what he expects of us. See, sexual sin, like lust, like porn, do you know that it's actually very addictive? And studies have shown that regular viewing of pornography will change the chemical release in your brain and it creates neural pathways. And you know what they've discovered? Is that it actually changes the DNA. And then a father 
who's addicted to porn, his DNA is now altered. And then in their children, they carry that same DNA. It's called generational sin. Same with alcoholism. Now that child has a greater proclivity towards that issue. And you know what I thought of? The Bible says that the sins of the father are passed to the third and fourth generation. Little did we know, he was talking about the DNA. Well, it's not a big deal. All men do it. Yeah, 75, 80% of all men, and women, by the way, too, thanks to the industry that they've tailored towards us, 55, 60% of women have a porn addiction. It's not just a man thing anymore. Well, even in the church, even among pastors, there is freedom in Christ if you're willing to do what he asked you to do. If you're willing to fast, pray, seek his face, turn off certain things, put a phone limits on, let your wife see what you're, you're looking at, let your husband see what you're looking at. Don't live in darkness and shame and isolation. Come and talk to us because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I'm telling you, God has set people free from porn. He set me free from lust. He'll set you free from whatever you're struggling with. But you must be willing to come out and say, I need some help. Daniel's going to preach next week, and he's going to talk more about this. But see, the reason why God says run from sexual temptation is because, you know what? Adultery hurts more than just the person involved. Because pornography hurts more than just the person involved. Sleeping around hurts you more than you realize, and you'll take that into your marital bed with you unless you know how to deal with it first in Christ. There is hope in Christ. you got to understand, he can set you free from the people you've slept with. He can remove that attachment. It's called cutting soul ties. He can come in and redeem you. He can restore your virginity. He can renew your sexual integrity. He can give back to you what the enemy stole. He can give back to you what you gave up. And he can heal. He can heal your mind. He can heal your images. He can heal your memories. He can heal your soul. Your body belongs to God. So we must honor him. And I'm not just talking about my physical body, but I'm talking about my mind, my brain, what I watch, what I listen to, even the words that I say. See, as a single person, I've been single a long time, turned 47, there are days when my urges and inclinations make it really challenging to continue to honor God. And the world says, well, who cares? Just go out. My, my coworkers will say, Don, we need to get you out, get you laid. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> They're like, that would just, you know, and I was like, why? They're like, oh, you know, because you need to be out there. And I'm like, I'm good, yo, I'm good. <laughs> but the world says, just if you have an issue, just go and get it. If you need a fix, go and get it. If you want a satisfaction, just go and get it. And you know what I've learned how to do this in my life when those, those needs are there, needs for companionship, for intimacy, when my body is burning? You know what I've learned to do? To come to Jesus and say, Jesus, this is my offering of worship to you. It hurts and I'm lonely and this is really painful. My body is talking to me and I can't shut it up. It's kind of drowning everything else out, but this is my offering of worship to you. Amen. I'm choosing to live according to your way and it hurts and sometimes it's not easy. So this is my, my worship to you. Do you know you could do that in your marriage? If your marriage is struggling, don't look elsewhere. Ask the Holy Spirit to meet your needs where your spouse is not meeting your needs. And come before them and say, I'm pouring this out as my, off my offering of worship to you. To help me love my spouse in this season of our marriage. To be faithful. To not look anywhere else online or anybody else in my family. 
This is my offering of worship to you, God. My, my spouse is not meeting my needs, but this is an opportunity for you to meet my needs in those areas. Why? Because God cares about your body. I've learned that in my own life. God cares about my body. He cares about my sexual needs. He cares about everything about me. And if we're willing to come to him, he can help us. I've experienced it where he just comes in and I say, God, give me grace in this moment. And he gives me grace and all of a sudden, release. You can learn how to give your body to God as worship. Galatians 5.1. I'm going to read the Passion Translation. At last, we have freedom, for Christ has set us free. Look at this. Read this. We must always cherish this truth and firmly refuse to go back into the bondage of our past. So here's the next truth. Protect your freedom in Christ. You and I need to learn to fight for freedom. It's been given to us, but I got to fight to keep it. I got to fight to maintain my freedom in the areas where Christ has set me free. Because there is always a temptation to go back into that which you once lived in. So when Christ sets you free, stay in your freedom. Fight with Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, the word which is your sword. And fight with Christ to protect your freedom. You don't have to go back. The temptation is to go back. But you can say, no, I'm I'm free. I'm going to stay free. Come on, tell your neighbor, I'm going to stay free. So how? How do we stay free? How? Look at this, Galatians 5, 13. I'll ask the worship team to come up, please. And get ready for I Speak Jesus, yeah? Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 and 14. For you have been called... To live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom. Look at this, come on. Don't use your freedom to what? Satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom, read it, to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Wow. So we're free, free not to indulge our sinful behavior, but we're free to serve in love. Why did Christ set us free? So that like him, we would serve in love. Jesus said, I did not come to be served, but to serve. And in that likeness, we are called to love like he loves. So you're set free so that you can actually love like Christ loves. Not the way the world is trying to define love right now. But you love like Christ. See, the world's love is selfish, self-centered, self-indulgent. What I want, what I like, what I feel, what I need. But Christ's love is not me. It's others. Loving others. Putting their needs before my needs. Hello, married people putting your spouse's needs before your needs. The Bible says your preferences put theirs ahead of yours. That means you ain't always going to get your way. And while I'm at it, let me just beat up on another lie. Your marriage is not, made, is not meant to make you happy. No, because there's a, subtle, there's a subtle lie in that. Because if you no longer make me happy, I'm out. 
But you know that God, when he created marriage, he intentionally, we're sinful people, we're not perfect, we got problems. He knew that being married would be challenging. That means that you're not always going to like your spouse. I remember my mom told me once, I was a teenager, she goes, I love your dad, but I don't like him right now. And I was like, oh! <laughs> You're not always going to like your spouse. But if you live by yourself, how you feel, your happiness, then guess what? You're going to leave. You don't make me happy anymore. I'm out. Christ, God, did not design marriage to make you happy. He designed marriage to make you holy. Yeah, I'll say it again, says my single sister in the back. God did not create marriage to make you happy, but to make you holy. And by the way, if you don't have a marriage, he uses our singleness to make us holy. <laughs> We're not exempt. But if you think, well, my spouse should meet all my needs and make me happy all the time, then you have adopted a very worldly view of love. That's not Christ's love. Christ's love means, even though I don't like you right now, I'm committed to you. And I'm still going to serve you and honor you and respect you and be there faithfully. See, this lie about, well, you're free. Pursue your happiness. Following Christ doesn't always mean I'm happy. But it does mean that I'm holy. I can be healthy. I can have everything Christ died to give me. Verse 16 says this, so I say... I want you to read it. Stand to your feet and read it with me. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Okay. How do we live free? Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Go ahead and play softly, guys. Let the Holy Spirit guide your life. So I talked to you about when the Holy Spirit starts showing me, Don, here's an area of weakness. Here's an area of sin. This is what I want to work on. When the Holy Spirit starts to convict you about something, listen, that means that he knows you're ready with his help to overcome it. He doesn't point it out to shame you, condemn you, or override you with guilt. He shares it with you because he says, now you're ready with my help to get free. But you got to let the Holy Spirit tell you what you need to do or not do. What changes you need to make and then obey. Let the Holy Spirit guide your lives and then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Because remember, real freedom is not doing what you want, but what is right. Here's our last truth. Freedom is the power to do what is right and to love like God. We're going to read the last couple of verses. I know you're standing, but bear with me. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. If we live under the power of sin, we will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22, but, I love that, that word in scripture, but, everybody say but. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. For those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I want you to close your eyes in this moment. You are free in Christ. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you are free in Christ. But if you don't know Jesus Christ, this is your chance. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him will not perish, but have everlasting life. When you choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ, it's not just believing in Him, but choosing to follow His way. And you can simply pray this prayer with me in church. Pray with me. Say, Father God, thank you that you love me and care about me. I choose today to believe in your son, Jesus Christ, that he died and rose again for me. I believe today that I'm forgiven and I'm free from the power of sin. As you gave your life for me, I give my life to you. I choose to follow you. Not my way, your way. We ask this in the name of Jesus. I just wanna speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind. I want you to receive the ministry of the Spirit in this moment. I know there is peace if you've been struggling in any area, this is your opportunity to say, God, I'm giving it to you and I speak Jesus over this area of my life. If you need healing in your mind, your memories, you put your hand on your heart, you put your hand on your mind, and today I want you to receive cleansing, freedom. I want you to receive a, a release right now. God, those images that we've watched, we ask right now that by the blood of Jesus, that you would wash our minds clean. Delete these images from our minds. Heal our memories. The abuse that we've endured. The activities we've engaged in. Lord, we ask right now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would release healing to our memories right now. And we break off the power of sin attached to those memories and those experiences. God, we step into freedom today. We step into wholeness today. We step into healing today. We step into freedom today. We speak Jesus over these difficulties in our life. We speak Jesus over these areas of stronghold. We command sin be broken in the name of Jesus. Oh, cause your name, your name is power. Your name is healing. Your name is love. This is what we pray.
a fire and burn up anything that is not holy in our heart. Do you know that you can give God your simple desires and ask his fire to come and cleanse you? That you can invite him into those secret places of your heart. Shine like, shine through the shadows. Let the light of Christ come and flood my mind, my soul. And like a fire, burn up and set me free. Come on, if you need that, I want you to invite his fire to come and cleanse, to purify. Come and burn, cleanse, purify us with your fire today, Holy Spirit. We don't want to stay in our sin and our struggle anymore. Oh, we want to be free. We want to be free. We want to be free. So burn like a fire. Burn like a fire. If you need an alteration in your DNA, I just release healing over DNA in this room right now. Generational sins and strongholds are broken right now. You are not your. You are not identified with the sin of your previous generations. You can be free. So right now, I just speak that. I speak that right now. We break generational sins and bondage. We receive healing in our DNA. We are free. God, rewire our neural pathways. We give you permission to erase the wrong neural pathways that sin has created. And we ask that you would release new neural pathways to live for you in a way that is honoring. We surrender to you, God. Heal DNA in this room. He's a breaker, anointer, guys. He breaks through. Come on, you can pray over your kids. Maybe you know that you've passed some things on and you want to break it off your kids. I speak Jesus over my family. I speak Jesus over my family. I speak Jesus over my children and my grandchildren. I break generational bondage off of them. I break it and I heal their DNA right now. Come on, you have authority as parents. You can heal the DNA of your kids through the power of Jesus' name. So over my family, break every stronghold. our closing moments I just want to encourage you today you are free in Christ and whom the Son sets free is free indeed you are not defined by your sin or your struggle you're not defined by your past and what you've been through there is hope in Christ there is freedom in Christ let the Holy Spirit guide your life so we're gonna close just in this last bit if you know there's an area that Holy Spirit's been dealing with you about, I want you to ask him one thing that he wants you to change. One thing. 
just in this moment, if you know the Holy Spirit's dealing with you, say, Holy Spirit, guide my life. Show me what's one thing you want me to change or one thing you want me to do or what's one thing I, I, you don't want me to do. Just ask him that because only he can tell you. Just one thing. And once he shows you that one thing, then I want you to say, now I choose to obey. Empower me, Holy Spirit, to obey. Remind me, Holy Spirit, in those moments. Convict me. Help me. I choose freedom. I choose Christ today. We thank you, Father. I release blessing over everyone here in the house, online. Bless our kids and our grandkids, Lord. We speak freedom over our family. We speak freedom. We speak freedom over our health and our lives and our minds and our hearts and our souls and our bodies. We receive it all in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Come on, give him big praise this morning. He deserves it. You're so good, God. You're so good, God. We love you, Lord. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Visit us in person or online at hwcim.org.